Well, I also want to welcome you today to First Methodist Mansfield. If we have not met, if you're a guest with us today, uh, my name is David and I serve as a senior pastor here and I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for giving me the chance to share with you. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. If you did not bring your Bible with you, uh, you can find Mark chapter 10 on page 1574 uh, in the blue Bible that we have provided for you in all of our worship spaces. So I want to encourage you to find that as we begin today. Uh, The last message of this series that we've been in since the beginning of June, uh, looking at a big God who has a big heart. Uh, We've been talking about what we have described as the passion of our church family. Uh, And and this picture kind of illustrates that. For many years, we have uh, shared these four words as an expression of our faith, uh, that God is big enough for any and all circumstances that we might face in our life. Uh, These are expressions of your faith that you have shared with people literally all around the world. Uh, And in the context of this series, we're looking at four additional words. Uh, A big God who has a big heart talking about that this is really what drives us as a family of faith. The purpose, the goal of the last four weeks has been to highlight the why behind so much of what we do. Now, speaking of the word why, you might ask, why did we do that? Why would we take four weeks to spend, uh, uh, to spend our time focused on something that, as I've described for many weeks in a row, this, this is something that you as a family of faith live out so well? Why would we spend time talking about that which we do well? I mean, shouldn't we instead get together and talk about all the things that we're not quite doing so well? Why would we want to look at this emphasis uh, and spend time talking about what is the driving passion of this church family? Uh, and, And here's why. The reason why is that it's easy to forget the why. That's actually easier than we might think. It is easy to forget the why in your life. Uh, It is easy to do that in your individual life. It's easy to do that in the context of a family. It's easy to do that in the context of any organization to lose, to forget the sense of why. You might think of this as one of the occupational hazards of being human. It's easy for us to forget the why. And one of the reasons for that is because we are creatures of habit, which is in some ways a really good thing. If you didn't have the ability in your life to develop habits in your life, your life would be even more exhausting than maybe it already is. Because you'd have to spend so much time and energy and focus and attention on each and everything in your life. But our ability to create habits is one of the helpful things that we can do because we can do things just out of habit. But here's the flip side of that. The flip side of that is that which is habitual in your life, it's very easy over the course of time to lose a sense of the meaning and the purpose behind that practice in your life. It's really easy for you and I, for all of us together, to forget the why in our life, the driving passion of our life. And you've, uh, some of you have heard me say this before, uh, that we lose our way when we lose our why. 
When we lose connection to that driving passion of our life, what our life is about, what's the meaning, what's the purpose, what's the true value of our life, when we lose that why, we end up losing our way. And sometimes we don't even know this has happened until someone wanders into our life and asks a very innocent and simple question. They come to us and they say, why do you do that? And it really should be an easy answer, but at times perhaps you have found yourself thinking, I don't know why. I do that because it's something that I've just always done. We lose our way when we lose our why. And so over the course of the last four weeks, we've been looking at this idea because we want to make sure that as we think about all that we do together as a family of faith, when we think about what we do in service to our local community and surrounding communities, all the things that this church lives out so well that we don't forget that there's something behind that. And it's not just that we're a bunch of nice people who are bored and have nothing else to do, but because we believe in a big God and we believe that God has a big heart and our understanding of that. Our experience of that is what drives us in, in so much of what we do. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at one last area in the life of our church. I'm going to read to you in just a moment some really familiar words, and I'm going to show you a few images that are things that happen in our church on a regular basis. There are things that we do that you could even say are routine for us, and they are experiences, moments in our life that maybe for some of us, the routine nature of them might, might lead us to lose a sense of the real meaning and purpose. I want to talk about this area of our life, understanding the significance that it has for us as a church, but even more importantly, I want us to hear it and, and think about it as, in terms of the significance that it has to God. So Mark chapter 10, uh, again, these are words that uh, you have probably heard at least a portion of this scripture repeated at some time uh, fairly recently in the life of our church. I'm going to read to you verses 13 through 16 uh, of Mark chapter 10. Here, here's the episode. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Now, that may not be a word that you use that week, but that means he's not really happy about that. And Jesus responds by saying this, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children into his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. If, if you write anything down uh, today, I, I would encourage it to be this sentence, that we are a hands-on church. We are a hands-on church, and we have a hands-on faith. And what I want to share with you are four expressions of that in the life of our church, four images that speak to this idea that we're a hands-on church and we have a hands-on faith. So let me tell you about the first uh, moment that happens in the life of our church. Uh, those words that you just heard from Mark chapter 10, the moment that most of you associate with those words 
are the moments when we baptize a child in our church. So I will often invite a family forward or one of our other pastors who's doing the baptism will invite a family forward and they will say in the beginning that in a moment like this, when we prepare to baptize a child, we remember the words of Jesus. He said, let the little children come to me for to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. Now, in our church, baptism is a mark of Christian discipleship, which means either an individual has made a decision to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus, or uh, in in our uh, faith tradition, uh, family, parents have said, we want to raise our child within the Christian family. Which is not only a commitment that parents make to live their own life of faith before their child, it is also a commitment that parents or a family makes to raise that child within the larger family we call the church. So that the church might bless and and, and nurture that child as they continue to grow in their faith. So let me show you an image from one of the baptisms uh, that we did this last spring. Uh, This is Henry. Now, and Henry, I got to tell you, has a special place in my heart for a couple reasons. The first is Henry's parents are good friends uh, of ours, my wife and and myself. Uh, In fact, uh, Stephanie, my wife, and uh, Henry's mom uh, grew up in the same Methodist church in the Houston area. So we've known them quite a while. It's always a great and a really meaningful thing as a pastor to be able to to baptize a a child of friends that you've known for, for several decades. But Henry, he's, he's special to me for another reason. Uh, Henry is the first child who I baptized, uh, who after baptizing uh, him, he decided to spit up on me. So, uh, in fact, I had joked with mom right before the service saying, you know what, that, that's never happened. And there goes Henry. I mean, he was ready for that moment. But this, this is the moment that happens right after baptism. And, and, and if this had, had, had uh, like sound effects, you would hear Henry screaming. And, you know, he wasn't too happy. He was a little fussy uh, right after baptism, uh, which is why you see Johnny just laughing while his, uh, uh, while his eyes are still closed. So this, the, after baptizing a child, I always pray for that child. Uh, it's not often like this, but this is, this is trying to make Henry happy. That's not normal, but what is normal, you, you may see in that picture, is th- this is a prayer that I always pray with my eyes open. Uh, this, I, don't, I never close my eyes when I'm praying for a child after baptizing them. I'm always looking right at the child. It's just beautiful, beautiful moment. Um, those eyes look back at me. And I'm praying for God's blessing in their life and giving God thanks for their new life and for placing them in the care of those who have brought them uh, before the church to present them for baptism, to, to receive entry into the, to the family of faith. And then when this moment is over, you know what happens next. We talk about that it's not just a commitment that, a, that parents make, that a family makes, it's a commitment that we make to a child. And we have words that we share. Some of you have heard them so often. They may have become a bit routine, so routine, in fact, that you may even know what they are. You may even have it memorized and you don't know it. And so as I say this, you might be able to join me that you know afterwards we say with God's help, we will so order our lives after the example of Christ that this child surrounded by steadfast love 
may be confirmed in the faith and grow. Uh, I just messed it up. I just messed it up. Here it is. May be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. Surrounded by steadfast love. Surrounded by steadfast love. Surrounded by steadfast love. Words that we say, we, we, we say them every time a child is baptized. And again, they may just become routine. And, 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 and that which is habitual, sometimes it loses the meaning. But, but this is what we seek to do. We want to surround a child with with steadfast love, that they may be confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. This next picture is uh, one of the other baptisms that we uh, did this spring. Uh, We've actually done 55 baptisms uh, in our church family in 2017. This is Melvin. Uh, Melvin was uh, baptized as a part of our spring confirmation class. Many families uh, choose to have their child baptized when they are infants. Uh, Some choose to wait to allow uh, uh, the the child to be able to make that decision. And uh, as a part of confirmation, Uh, We baptize a lot of kids in in that process. Confirmation is a program that we offer for sixth graders and any child uh, beyond that age who hasn't participated in confirmation where they learn the basics of the Christian faith and they have the chance to profess their faith and become full members of the church. Uh, Melvin made the decision to be baptized. Uh, And at the final retreat, uh, many of those uh, young people decided that they wanted to be baptized by immersion. They wanted to make sure, you know, let's let's do full full all the way. And so we did it there at Glen Lake, uh, there in the lake, uh, hands-on moment. uh, As you uh, lay someone down into the water, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And what you cannot see is that all around Melvin and the other students that were baptized at that moment, they're, they're surrounded by people. They're surrounded by other students and, and parents and grandparents and all those who have come out to, to participate in this moment, to, to celebrate again God's grace, to celebrate what this decision that, that uh, this, this young person has made in their life, to, to mark their entry into the, into the life of faith. This next picture Um, is one that is from the service that happens at the end of confirmation. This is actually from the 2016 uh, confirmation service. Uh, This was the last child that was confirmed. Uh, And what happens when when these kids come forward to be confirmed is they come and they they kneel at the altar. You see all the kids there. Their their parents and others surround them. Uh, and, And when they come forward, I look them in the eye And I ask this question, do you wish to confirm your faith, profess your faith, to live your life as a follower of Jesus? And in 12 years so far, they've all said yes. And then we we surround them and we, we lay hands on them and we pray for them. Pastors and uh, family members and uh, small group leaders and mentors and other members of our staff all lay hands on that child and we pray, we pray for God's blessings in their life. You can't see, uh, but the last one who was confirmed last year was my daughter. So she's, that's her arm right there. She's in there somewhere. Uh, our staff, uh, they blessed me by putting her at the very end so I could cry all my tears at the, at the very end of the service and not, not right there in the middle. That's the, the next moment I want you to see is a hands-on moment that expresses what we mean when we think about hands-on faith. Here's, here's the last picture. 
this, this is from uh, the senior celebration that we had just a few weeks ago. The, for all of our high school seniors, our student ministry staff puts on a really nice dinner. Uh, and after that dinner, we joined together in a worship service. Uh, they gathered uh, in our sanctuary. We, we sang uh, songs together. I got to share a few words with them. And then just as many of them had done before when they were confirmed in the faith and became full members of the church, they again came to the rails. And they knelt there, and we presented them a Bible, and again, we prayed for them. And when we prayed for them, we were surrounding them, uh, and, and pastors, and again, small group leaders, and staff, and uh, family, parents, and siblings, and grandparents, and lots and lots of people who had come out to be a part of that moment, and we, and we prayed for them. Uh, and and I'll, I'll confess to you that this was, this was sort of like ugly tears night for me as, I, as we prayed for each of these kids. In fact, one of them, as I was starting to pray, I just, uh, I just gave the notes to Pastor Tina. I was like, you've got to, I can't, I can't do it. It's just the words aren't going to come out. But these are the words that we shared for each of them. We ask today for God's richest blessings as you begin this new chapter in your life. We offer this prayer in celebration of all that you have already accomplished and with deep faith that God will continue the good work that he has started in you. And we pray tonight that God would guard your heart, that God's spirit would direct your steps, and that the love and life of Jesus would continue to grow in you each and every day. And this is our prayer that we offer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now what I want you to hear is I, I want to share with you um, the story of one of those students uh, who we prayed for that night. Uh, as she shares with you what this church has meant for her and her life and her faith and, and what it means as she steps into the next, uh, the next phase of her life. I want you to listen to Logan's story. I moved here about four years ago in the eighth grade. This school had more people than my entire town did, but I realized that there was a lot more opportunity here. Get college credits and take AP classes and take the AP tests, and so advance in my college career kind of more. And then my best friend at the time and I shared our story with each other. We knew we needed to go further in with our faith and didn't really know what to do. So um, we got baptized and that's just how it all kind of started. Kind of casually did it, um, but my family from Holland sent in flowers and showed me a picture that they were all there with me during my baptism. It was really cool. I cried like a little baby, but it was really good to know that my family was there with me. I was kind of there really to support my friend, and it was just a really small step that I'd take, but I didn't know how uh, big it would influence me at the time. That night, uh, my friend and I stayed up I want to say to like three o'clock in the morning reading the Bible. It made me pray. Like I prayed a lot. I prayed every day reading the scripture a lot and really paying attention. And we took pages of notes every message and then read them later. The next step was to get more involved. I reached out to my worship leader in hope that she would have me singing in the back of the room for vacation Bible camp. 
but instead she pulled me to the front and I sang a solo. That was something I had never done before, ever singing in front of people like that. It was amazing to see the little kids worshiping, like reaching out, knowing that you were affecting their story too. They always talk about your story and how your story matters and that we are all loved. Then I started thinking that probably I should do something in ministry, like for a career, for my life. Church has been like a home. For anybody that doesn't necessarily know how significant church is in our lives, especially for teenagers, we go through a lot, self-doubt and insecurities that we have. Being a part of your church, so many people are touching you and so many people love you in a way that is, you can't, I don't know, you can't put words to it. Like. Your church family loves you more than anyone, and it just helps you get through high school, you know? Instead of just going through the motions, you're actually actively um, living out your faith. I know being a pastor and getting into ministry is a really big step, but just like that, baptism was a very small step for me. I'm going to take this small step and trust that my church family is going to help me become the minister that I'm supposed to be. I had the joy, the real blessing of being raised in the church. Uh, when I think about my childhood, uh, the memories that I have, the experiences of that, they happen in one of three places. It was at home, it was at school, or it was at church. Um, and in the context of that family, being raised within the, the Christian family, there's some things that I learned in my life. I learned that there were people who loved me. And I learned that before I even really understood why. I didn't even know why they, they loved me. but. I knew that they did. I, knew, I learned that I, was, that I was valuable. I learned that my life had, 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 had a purpose, that God had a purpose for my life and that I should pursue that purpose. I should pursue that dream. I should pursue what God was dreaming for my life because there were people who poured in my life and helped me to see that that was going to be the best life. And you'll not be surprised to hear that as a dad, that's what I want for my kids too. I want my kids to know that they are loved. I want them to know that they are valuable. I want them to know that God has a dream for their life and God has a purpose for their life. And I want them to pursue that dream above all other dreams that they may know in their life. I want them to pursue that one. That's what I want for them as their dad. But as you think about vacation Bible camp coming up next week, and you think about hundreds and hundreds of kids who are gonna be here on our campus, more than you can count, they're just everywhere because they keep moving, you know. It's, I want you to, to think about that that dream that I have for my son Jack and my daughter Anna, that's the dream that God has for each and every child that God has placed in our care. Every single one of them. To know that they're special, that they're loved, that God has a dream and a plan and a purpose for their life and that there's a group of people, there's a family of people who are gonna be surrounding them and encouraging them to pursue that dream. For every single one of them. A dream is not just a parent's dream, it's a dream that begins in the, 
big heart that God has for the next generation. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. What are you doing, disciples? These are mine. The kingdom of God belongs to them. And I want to embrace them. I want to hug them. I want to place hands on them. And I want to bless them. And in response to this, that this is what we say. We say, with God's help, we as a family of faith, we're going to order our lives around the example of Christ. We're going to seek to follow Jesus so that those who are following us will see our good example and grow to love God as much as we do. We're going to surround them by steadfast love that they may be confirmed and strengthened day by day and week by week and year by year, strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal, every single one of them. And even though there are many, and, and sometimes the, the acts that we do, the, 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 the practices that we have, the traditions that we have, we see them over and over and over again, that we would be a people who would say, Lord, help us to never lose sight that there's a big dream behind each and every one of these children. That you have a hope and a plan for them and their future and you have called us, you have, you have called us as the family of faith in which they are growing up, that you've called us to invest in them, to have a heart that is as big as your heart for the next generation and to, and to, to see this ministry, as this, this is hands-on ministry, <laughs> as we place our hands of faith on them and we pray for them and we ask God to bless them and nurture them as they continue to grow and, and who God is, is, is helping them to become in their life. So here's what I want to do as, as we close today. I, I want to say just a word to those of you who have those kids in your home right now. Uh, all the way up to those ones who maybe they should have left by now, but they're still there and that's okay. So if you have kids in your house right now, here's what I want you to hear. And, and here's what I hope that you will receive in this last week of the series. I want you to hear that you are not alone. I want you to hear that you are probably doing better than you think you are. There are people all around you who, if you find yourself struggling, guess what? They are too. They're smiling, but they don't mean it. They're just like you, right? You're not alone. And this church is committed to partnering with you, to sharing this with you, the, the responsibility that you feel, and you should feel it to help that uh, daughter or son or perhaps grandchild that's, that's growing up in your home, that the responsibility that you feel to help God's dreams come true in their life, you should feel that, but you don't feel that that's, that's, not, that's not a burden you bear alone. We bear that together as a family of faith. That's the words of encouragement. I want, you, I want all those who are raising a child to hear. But here's the, here's the challenge I want to offer to you. And I want you to hear this uh, as, as an expression of our commitment. I, I want you to hear that the church's commitment to you, it is in some ways dependent on your commitment to the church. Now that doesn't mean, don't, don't misunderstand, that doesn't mean that if you're not committed to the church, well, the church is just going to turn its back on you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if your hope and dream is that your child will grow 
to live out a commitment to Christ, it must first be reflected in you, just as much as it is in your pastor or their Sunday school teacher or their small group leader or anyone else who you might surround them with. Your commitment to be present and and, an active participant in the life of faith is part of the way that you enable a community of people to surround that child, to bless that child, and to help them grow into the young man or woman of faith that God has called them to be. So as you think about the busyness of your life and all the other priorities that you have and all the things that you want them to do, don't miss out on the fact that this, this is a stage of life where it is critical for them to make a connection to someone, to a faith that will guide them for all the rest of their days. I want you to hear that we are a hands-on church and that we believe we have a hands-on faith. And, and so what I want to do, and it may be a little bit awkward, it's okay, you'll be fine, I promise it won't hurt too much. If you are one of those who is raising a child, what I want to invite you to do is, uh, if you would, would you stand uh, here today? Would you stand up? Because what we want to do for all those uh, who are parents or those who are raising a child in, uh, in, in your home, uh, we want to pray for you. And the way that we're going to pray for you is we're going to pray for you in a hands-on way. And so if you are one of those who is seated right now, would you just find your way around uh, to one of those who is standing? Would you place a hand on their shoulder? Would you be an expression of the commitment that we have uh, as a family of faith to partner with families, to bless moms and dads, those who are investing in kids? And as we think about the next generation, we think about this calling that God has placed in the the life of the church and the dreams that he has for each and every child. Let's, Let's pray for the families of our church. Loving and gracious God, we today give you thanks that the burden of blessing others is not one that we bear alone. For each and every one of us, Lord, who has received the blessing of sharing life with a child, of watching them grow up before our eyes, of seeing them learn new things, things that we are so excited they have discovered and some that we wish they hadn't, we feel, Lord, the great burden of this gift. And of all the things that we do in our life, Lord, this is one of those that we, we dare not fail. We want to be faithful. And so, Lord, our prayer today is not only for each and every young boy and girl, uh, student, youth, teenager growing up in our church family. We also pray for those who are on the front line with them, those who are investing in them, those who are caring for them. Lord, enable us to be a full family of faith that is a a family who is faithful to this commitment that we will first order our lives after you, that we will consistently surround these children with steadfast love, 
And that over the course of time, Lord, you would, by your grace, help us to see the gift, to receive the gift of a young man, a young woman who is established in faith, who has confirmed the promises of their baptism, and who is strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. The big heart you have for the next generation, Lord. We pray, Lord, that that heart would be reflected in us. And all these things we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.